Good evening, dummies. Episode 196, Tuesday, July 27th, 6.28 p.m. Simone Biles is injured, and then she's not injured. I don't know what's going on. The Olympics, I mean, what a cluster. The ratings are down, I mean, almost by what, 27, 28 million people from four years ago? NBC is doing a horrible job covering this. I don't understand what's going on. I don't know where to watch it. I, the the basketball game, which I don't even watch basketball, was on Peacock. Peacock is the streaming service for NBC Comcast. And unless you have Xfinity service, you have to pay for it. It's ridiculous. I don't understand what's going on. And NBC is just basically cutting their own throat. But we talked about the Olympics last night. I'm not going to do it again tonight. Welcome, folks, to Don't Unfriend Me, episode to. 196. We should have a fun show tonight. I spent a little extra time diving into this. It's, uh, like I said, 6.30. Want to try to get a good show. There's a lot going on. The precipice of trade in NHL and MLB. And they're both happening right around the same time, which is nerve-wracking for me. Usually they don't happen on top of each other like this. So Max Scherzer from the Washington Nationals, I'd love to see him melt down in Astroland and Minute Maid Park, when they challenge him on why he keeps rubbing his hat and his hair, would be awesome to have him. Would definitely complete uh, a very large piece to our puzzle. But honestly, I, I don't even know if we need starting pitching. Greg Kimbrell would be a better choice from Chicago, in my opinion. We'll see what happens. Who cares? And then hockey, Gabriel Landeskog and uh, Grubauer are both on the trade. I, this is what happens. This is what happens in the market. And I think Grubauer ultimately might test the free agent market and he'll come back to the Avs because nobody's going to pick him up for what he wants. And Landeskog is doing whatever he can to make as much as he can at the end of his career. And it really is kind of a a, a, a speakeasy kind of thing. It's not necessarily discussed, but when you're a captain of a team and you're at the end of your career, you're rewarded for that. Maybe you might take some homer discounts. You might not ask for as much early and often as other players and if you're going to be asked to retire with that team, then your final contract usually is the biggest one of your career uh, because that's when you are in the prime of your career, but leading up to your yesteryears where you're going to be a liability. And honestly, that would push him at 37 years old playing for us. And I can tell you uh, on one hand how many players have been effective at 37 years old and that don't start with uh, Bobby Orr or Sergei uh, Fedorov or... Yarmir Yager or Ovechkin, and I guess we could probably go ahead and say Gordy Howe, and that's really that's about it. Not many people can play at that age, so we'll see what happens. It's going to be interesting. I would love to see Landeskog to stay, but folks, this isn't a sports channel. What the hell are you doing? You're like, wait, am I on the wrong station? Does someone have the clicker? What's going on? This isn't sports. We talk about everything here. This is Don't Unfriend Me, folks, and tonight is no exception. We're going to talk about it all. I spent some extra time on the titles tonight. I hope you enjoy them. The first subject, want to be my boyfriend? Girlfriend, non-binary friend, trans friend, check yes or no. You remember when we do that in school, we'd have a little box, check yes or no. Would you like to go on a date with me? Would you like to be my boyfriend? Would you like to go to prom? Maybe I'm the only one who did that and was immature at prom because I was scared to talk to girls. But folks, there is a new questionnaire going on and we keep hearing from all the schools that there's no critical race theory. There's no white privilege or toxic masculinity and all of these wonderful social justice nuance that are being shoved down our throat are happening in our schools and more and more is coming out as parents become more aware. And I have a great video to show you of a student's account of literally feeling a little uncomfortable and not understanding what she was being asked. And her parents were told, or excuse me, she was told not to tell her parents. 
Schools are starting to cross the line, folks, so let's talk about that tonight. Next, it appears my hypocrisy knows no bounds. I guess I should do it in a, I'm your huckleberry. It appears my hypocrisy knows no bounds. Famously quoted by Doc Holliday from Tombstone, Val Kilmer, one of the greatest roles. I think it was much better than Iceman and Top Gun. But it appears my hypocrisy knows no bounds. What does that mean? Well, there is a definite level of hypocrisy going on with the Capitol riots. Now, this won't be very popular. I'm certainly not coming in on the side of Democrats and Black Lives Matters, but I'm going to draw a line of delineation or a parallel, if you will, between the way we're reacting as Republicans to the Capitol riots, insurrection, whatever you want to call it, and the protests and the burning of cities that we saw that were supposedly peaceful. I think it's disturbing. And if you are a person who truly wants to be self-aware and be able to reflect, this one probably will bother you a little bit. And that's what this show is designed to do. Lastly, let the record show that the record is full of shit. PolitiFact, fact check, Vericheck, Checkers Auto Parts, all of these horrible supposedly aficionados or masters of the universe that somehow are able to check check everything we say and immediately the conversation stops simply because they have fact in their name or check in their name. It's interesting. Why do we assert so much power? Why do we give them so much power? And why do we say, oh, well, this is on Snopes, therefore it's true. You don't think Snopes has advertising dollars and marketing dollars? You don't think Snopes tells lies? Well, I'm here to show you they most assuredly are and why this is detrimental and we have to stop empowering people to make our decisions for us and tell us if something is accurate or inaccurate. That's our job. And we should have the wherewithal and not be so damn lazy. It's not the way it should be. We should actually do our own fact-checking. And let's see why when we talk about this tonight. But first, my wife was really mad at the fact that I have no sense of direction. So I picked up my stuff and I write. from an undisclosed location always honest always direct so sit back relax don't unfriend me starts right now well folks i was cheating i was checking the avalanche news on the trades i'm sorry i can't I can't stop looking. I just really want to find out what our team's going to look like. But either way, folks, thank you. Once again, you didn't come here for this. Who am I? What do I do? Who is your daddy? What does he do? My name is Matthew Spear. I am your host of Don't Unfriend Me. What is Don't Unfriend Me? It can be awfully confusing to some people. Well, let me tell you, it's made up of two parts. There are the dummies, which are the fans of the Don't Unfriend Me show. And it's an acronym, Don't Unfriend Me. That's why the two dots are there. You see that? Barstool Sports has their stoolies. We have dummies. Dummies is a great thing. If you've watched one minute, 10 seconds, or all 196 some odd episodes after tonight, you are officially a dummy. Wear it with pride. However, there are also the dum-dums. They are special kinds of suckers. The Dusty Dinkelmans of the world, the people who just come out of the woodwork and have CNN and Fox News talking points, who really can't have a discussion past their own nose and literally have one thing to say. And then when you ask them a question on it, they don't know what else to say except yell, get upset, throw a temper tantrum, stuck their, stick their thumb in their mouth and go back to mommy's basement. Don't be a dum-dum, folks, is what it really means. What else? Well, you can find me on these social sites. And don't unfriend me, host on Facebook, 
and Anchor and all podcasts. You can find me on Apple iTunes. You can find me on Spotify and iHeartRadio. You can also take a look over at Don't Unfriend Me on Instagram and YouTube. Just do a little quick search for Don't Unfriend Me and those will immediately pop up. You can put it in Google and find out where I'm at too. Luckily, I've taken over the uh, the search function. So if you type in Don't Unfriend Me, I own like the first 12 spots, which took a lot of work and I'm glad we did. Hey, the reason why we do that and the reason why that works is because if you share, like, subscribe, do all that type of stuff, it's free of charge. It doesn't cost you a darn thing to hit like or follow. I'm never going to sell you anything, maybe a shirt or something, but once again, would love to have you watch the show. And that's how you stay in touch. If you're enjoying it, you don't want it to go out of sight, out of mind, make sure you like, share, and subscribe. You can do that right here on YouTube or go to Facebook and hit the little thumbs up. And when you do that, you'll be notified when I have new videos coming out. Lastly, but not leastly, not a word. Don'tunfriendme.com. You can head on over there and get my entire catalog, my videos, my podcasts, and also my blog if you are so inclined. Folks, let's get into it. We have a really fun show. Spent a little extra time writing tonight, and I uh, am opinionated as always. For the longest title ever on any of Don't Unfriendly shows, want to be my girl, my boyfriend, girlfriend, non-binary friend, trans friend, check yes or no. A class of fourth graders in Minnesota were given an equity survey about race and gender, but were allegedly told by their teacher not to tell their parents about the questions that they were asked, even if they didn't understand them. The survey was conducted at Riverview Intermediate School in Sartell St. Stephen School District in Minnesota by the Equity Alliance of Minnesota. That's a mouthful. And comes amid a national debate on how to how to teach history and current events specifically focusing on matters of race. Student Haley Yazgar addressed a school board on July 19th and told them she felt very nervous and uncomfortable when her teacher instructed her not to talk to her mother about the survey. Now, the first thing I thought of was, oh, come on. If the parents told her to say that she's nervous, but wait a second, she wasn't nervous about being asked if she was trans or, or a non-binary ostrich unicorn she was actually upset that they said don't talk to your parents now that i guarantee would make my children uncomfortable let's listen to the video and let's listen to miss yeager and what she had to say during distance learning i was asked to complete that equity survey my teacher said that i could not skip any questions even when i didn't understand one question asked us what gender file we identified with i was very confused along with a lot of other classmates a boy in my class asked my teacher if his mom could explain the question to him because even after the teacher explained it, he still didn't understand. My teacher told him that he was not allowed to ask his mom and that we could not repeat any of the questions to his parents. I want the school board to know how uncomfortable and nervous this made me. My mom always tells me I can tell her anything, but she also tells me I can trust my teachers too. Being asked to hide this from my mom made me feel very uncomfortable. I was doing, like, I was doing something wrong. Whoa, you're kidding me? Hold on a second. So let me get this straight. I want to just use an example, and this girl is way too young for this. But let's just say a 14-year-old girl or 15, 16-year-old girl goes to the school and says, I'm pregnant. I want to have an abortion. What's the law? What's the policy? You should ask. Can that teacher or principal help and assist with an abortion without telling the parents? What if they come to him and say, I'm addicted to drugs or I'm contemplating suicide or maybe I want a sex change? 
or maybe that I'm a homosexual, I'm a lesbian. Can they just not tell the parents? This isn't a doctor-client relationship or a lawyer. There's no Hippocratic oath here amongst teachers. The trust is there with children, but absolutely the loyalty goes to the parents. What the hell? If you couldn't hear the video, she also says she was not permitted to skip any questions, even if she didn't understand them. In a video of the meeting posted by Alpha News, one question said, do you currently identify yourself as female, male, transgender? Transgender people have a gender identity or gender expression that differs from the assigned sex. For example, they were born male, but now identify as female or something else. A young boy in Haley's class asked the teacher if his mom could explain the question to him, and the teacher denied the student's request, telling him that he could not ask his mother and that the class was not to repeat the questions to their parents. Haley spoke to the school board to let them know how uncomfortable and nervous this made her as she explained that her mom always tells her she can tell her anything, but also tells her she can trust her teachers too. She said that being told to hide this from her mom made her feel very uncomfortable, like she was doing something wrong. Well, I guess we know her pronouns, don't we? Haley's mom, Kelsey Yeager, Yeager, excuse me, told Fox Friends, told Fox and Friends, we were told that this equity audit was going to be taking place, but they didn't tell us the day it was taking place, and we weren't really sure a lot of details behind it. Quote, due to the lack of transparency from the school district and Equity Alliance from Minnesota, the third party, we were not informed of the questions on this survey. She added that she was very upset when she learned that her daughter was told not to share the questions with her parents. She said that should pose a great concern in any parent's eyes. I agree. She was informed that this instruction came from the Equity Alliance of Minnesota and school administration and was not a singular decision made by the teacher. Superintendent Dr. Jeff Riddlehoover could not be reached for a comment. Maybe he was repairing vacuums. The survey comes a year after the death of George Floyd in Minneapolis, Minnesota, which led the city to pay $27 million in a wrongful death suit and sparked a national reckoning with race. As the country looks ahead to the new school year, critical race theory has really become the new hot topic at schools, and parents struggle to determine how to contextualize and explain current events in the classroom. CRT is the academic concept that race is a social construct and that racism is not only an individual bias, but has been integrated into institutions such as policy, uh, policing, housing, voting, and even education itself due to the determent of people of color. And this may have been true at one point, and I think the argument is, is that, yes, that is a part of history, but it doesn't necessarily make it part of today. As we know, former President Donald Trump slammed critical race theory, referring it to as a flagrant racism that is being forced into every facet of our society during a speech in Arizona. Trump took the stage at the Arizona Federal Theater in Phoenix for the Protect Our Elections rally, where he criticized Democrats for adhering to an America last ideology. Quote, we shouldn't be apologizing to the world, he said. We're apologizing for America, just like Obama apologized. Remember he apologized? They should be apologizing to America for what they've done to it. That's who I think should be apologizing to us. Trump also took a hit at Biden administration, saying their America last philosophy is making a mockery of our country right here at home. Earlier this year, Biden signed an executive order pushing toxic critical race theory into our children's schools and into our military. Quote, 
Trump continued, how about our military? This poisonous left-wing doctrine is flagrant racism, plain and simple, and it has no place in our schools, no place in our military, and no place in our country. Sounds like green eggs and ham, end quote. That particular comment was in reference to President Biden's first day in office when he signed an executive order rescinding Trump's order restricting the federal government and its contractors from teaching critical race theory. Furthermore, Trump also attacked the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Mark Milley, who defended the military's examination of critical race theory in June, which Trump later referred to as Marxist ideology. Quote, can you believe it? Trump addressed thousands of his supporters. He said he wanted to, quote, understand white rage. He wants to understand white rage. What the hell is he talking about that for? Our generals should not be focused on learning left-wing ideology. Honestly, our generals should just shut up on everything and sit down and then be only be broken in a case of emergency for war. They also should be focused on defeating America's enemies and winning our future wars. Hopefully, we don't have to, or hopefully we don't have them. But if we do, we have to win them, Trump said. The National Educators Association recently approved a resolution to promote critical race theory in schools and said it wants to hire a team to fight back against those opposed to CRT. What does that look like? But America's largest teachers union has publicly endorsed the teaching of critical race theory in schools, wants to hire staff to fight back against those who oppose CRT, and has called for an October 14th rally to be held in honor of George Floyd's birthday. So now we have to celebrate his birthday and his death. Can we pick one? What is he, Jesus? Maybe we have George Floyd Easter, too. The National Educators Association recently approved a resolution to promote critical race theory through its existing channels and the work to fight back against opponents of the practice. It also wants to assemble a team to teach it to union members and create a National Day of Action to start a dialogue about systemic racism on October 14th, George Floyd's birthday. In addition to its plans, the NEA will join with Black Lives Matter at school and the Zen Education Project to create a National Day of Action on George Floyd's birthday to have dialogue on systemic racism. The resolution reads that the NEA will provide an already created in-depth study that critiques empire, white supremacy, anti-blackness, anti-dignity, racism, patriarchy, cis-heteropatriarchy, capitalism, albalism, anthropocentrism, which are human-centered points of view, I think, and other forms of power and oppression at the intersections of our society. Now they're just making up words. The NEA, does anyone, it may cost us a penny out of our pockets each year, but I'll tell you what, that's why Republicans have been trying to defund this fucking thing for 50 years. It's trash. It continues to say that the NEA plans to publicly, through existing media, convey its support for the accurate and honest teaching of social studies topics, including truthful and age-appropriate accountings of unpleasant aspects of American history, such as slavery and the oppression and the discrimination of indigenous, black, brown, and other peoples of color, as well as the continued impact this history has on our current society. Listen, I went through school too. I learned about all those things. The biggest gripe that I have about the way we teach history is actually the positive things blacks and brown and indigenous people did for our country. Those things aren't really included. That needs to be brought in. But the account of what actually happened is pretty furkin' accurate, folks. Let's just lighten up a little bit. Quote, the association will further convey that in teaching these topics, it is reasonable and appropriate for curriculum to be informed by academic frameworks for understanding and interpreting the impact of the past on current society, including critical race theory. Here's what it comes down to. I've said it a million times. 
I don't care about teaching about the dark side of history. I believe all of it needs to be shown. Yes, Japanese internment camps. Yes, the gulags. Yes, the, the assassination, slaughtering, and the genocide of African people over blood diamonds. Yes, the cartel killing innocents. Yes, the Cossacks. Yes, the Civil War. Yes, the American Revolution, the French Indian Wars, the American Indian Wars. All of it, the Spanish Inquisition. Hell, the Catholic Church on a Sunday with choir boys. It all needs to be outed. And most of it is. The positive things need to be talked about more. It's not just that we get to talk about, let's see, what everyone always their favorite to talk about, musicians and Maya Angelou and Martin Luther King. There is a hell of a lot more than that when it comes to history that isn't in the record books. It's not being talked about. And it disparages black people as not being a part of American culture and society when honestly African Americans, Native Americans, and Hispanic Americans have had a huge impact on our country, including a lot more than that. Middle European, Russian, South American, Cuban, Latino, Spanish, Yugoslavian, Japanese, Korea. We are a melting pot. And I'm not saying we have to learn everybody's history, but we should also learn what they've had to do with American history. Now, that's a racial theory that I can get behind, and I think every American can. What we don't want to hear, and what it's not because we're ignorant, it's because it's bullshit, is that, that there are certain laws that subjugate other people to different ways of treatment anymore, and that's not the case. We can live in the past all we want. We can go back to the Crusades. We can go back to the Romans and Christians. We can all feel persecuted over something. The question is, is have we moved on from history? Do we have the ability to move on and embrace the fact that it's not as bad as it was and that the tomorrow has a better future than today? Do we believe that as a collective whole? And if you don't, what the fuck are you smoking? Because there is no effort to snuff out African-Americans. There's no effort to snuff out anybody. If you want that, go to Cuba. Go to Syria. Go to Israel. Go to the nation of Palestine. Go to Saudi Arabia, not in the United States. The thing is about Americans is that you have no earthly fucking idea what it looks like overseas. You've never been to these areas. And the one thing we do is we always say, veterans, thank them for their service. Veterans, listen to them because they've seen it firsthand. And if veterans like me and others are telling you, hey, guys, something's rotten in Denmark. This smells as bad as a lie like a fart in a car. You might want to listen to us. Because what you have is theory. What we have is practical application. And we learned this attitude. This was something we experienced. We can taste it, smell it, sometimes in our dreams and most of the time in our nightmares. You have to understand what you have in the United States may be tough, but is not the toughest, not by a long shot. Maybe we should stop teaching the dark sides of history because they're already there and start casting the light on what we did to build this great nation and why the American flag isn't racist and why the Pledge of Allegiance and the National Anthem has nothing to do with color, but it has everything to do with the society that we are, the greatest melting pot on the planet. And you can say we may not be the greatest country in the world, but we have the greatest people in the world. And I will put that on black and bet my life savings every single day of the week. Maybe we need to start realizing a little bit more. Let's get our swagger and arrogance back. We've been apologizing for too long. The apology tour should be over. Let's start leading and stop following.
It appears my hypocrisy has no bounds. I can't do a good Doc Holiday. I'm sure I could if I tried, but I'm not going to waste my time. In Washington, quote, this is how I'm going to die defending this entrance. And this was said by a Capitol Police officer. Aquilino? Aquino? Sorry, I don't mean to disrespect. I think it's Aquino. Aquino Gunnell recalled thinking, testifying at the emotional opening hearing, excuse me, of the congressional panel investigating the violent January 6th Capitol insurrection. Officer Gunnell told House investigators he could feel himself losing oxygen as he was crushed by rioters, supporters of then President Donald Trump, as he tried to hold them back and protect the Capitol and lawmakers. Now, listen, we're not going to split hairs. Were there people in that group that were not Donald Trump supporters? Uh, Probably. Were there people who were there just to create havoc? Yes. Are people saying that there were FBI out there? All the conspiracy theories. I don't care about any of that. I care about what this officer has to say because he was there. Once again, listen to the people who were there, not the people who read it in a fucking book. He and three other officers gave their accounts of the attack Tuesday, sometimes wiping away tears, sometimes angrily rebuking Republicans who have resisted the probe and embraced Trump's downplaying, the day's violence by supporters who were challenging his election defeat. Along with graphic video of hand-to-hand fighting, the officers described being beaten as they held off the mob that broke through the windows and doors and interrupted the uh, certification of Democratic Joe Biden's presidential win. The new committee is launching its probe with a focus on law enforcement officers who protected them, putting a human face on the violence of the day. And yes, I know they cherry-picked the officers, and there probably were a hundred who would say, absolutely not, it wasn't like that. That's not the point. The point is, as I think those officers have earned the right to say whatever they want. Whether they're coming down on the left or the right really doesn't matter. Because the hypocrisy that we demonstrate as Republicans and as Democrats is so thick you could cut it with a knife and take a bite out of it. Police officer Michael Fanone, who rushed to the scene, told the committee and millions watching news coverage that he was grabbed, beaten, tased, and while being called a traitor to my country. Doctors later told him he had a heart attack. Daniel Hodges, also a D.C. police officer, said he remembered foaming at the mouth and screaming for help as rioters crushed him between two doors and bashed him in the head with his own weapons, injuring his skull. Capitol Police Officer Harry Dunn said one group of rioters, perhaps 20 people, screamed the N-word at him as he was trying to keep them from breaching the House chamber. Tensions on Capitol Hill have only worsened since the insurrection, with many Republicans playing down or outright denying the violence that occurred and denouncing the democratically-led investigation as politically motivated. Democrats are reminding people how brutal it was and how the law enforcement officers who were sworn to protect the Capitol suffered serious injuries at the hands of rioters. I understand the argument. Not all rioters. That's not the point. The point is, is just hear this out so you can understand what point I am making. The officers detailed the horror of their experiences, their injuries, and the lasting trauma as they begged the lawmakers to investigate the attack. Quote, I feel like I went to hell and back to protect them and the people in this room, Fanon testified. Pounding his fist on the table in front of him, he said, too many are now telling me that hell doesn't exist or that hell actually wasn't that bad. The indifference shown to my colleagues colleagues is disgraceful. The lawmakers on the committee, too, grew emotional as they played videos of the violence and repeatedly thanked the police for protecting them. Democratic Representative Stephanie Murphy of Florida told them she was hiding near an entrance they were defending that day, and I shudder to think what would have happened had you not held the line. 
Illinois' Representative Adam Kinzinger, one of the two Republicans on the panel, shed tears during his questioning. He said he hadn't expected to become so emotional. Quote, I think it's important to tell you right here and now that you guys may individually feel a little broken, Kinzinger told the officers. You guys all talk about the effects you have to deal with and you talk about the impact of that day, but you guys won. You guys held. Wyoming Representative Liz Cheney, the panel's other Republican appointed by Democratic House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, expressed deep gratitude for what you did to save us and raise broader, larger issues. It's amazing how quickly she jumped from that gravy chain on Republicans and now literally is probably going to run as a Democrat. Benedict Arnoldus. The question for every one of us who serves in Congress, for every elected official across this great nation, indeed for Americans everywhere, is this. Will we adhere to the rule of law? respect the rulings of our courts, and preserve the peaceful transition of power. There was a peaceful transition of power. God, she's just an absolute overdramatic cow. Further quote, or will we be so blinded by partisanship that we throw away the miracle of America? This woman has no right to talk about partisanship. She is the poster girl for partisanship. House Republican leader Kevin McCarthy withdrew the participation of the Republicans he had appointed last week after Pelosi rejected two of them, saying their antics in support of Trump and his lies that he won the election weren't appropriate for the serious investigation. Talking about an overreach of power. We just go ahead and dismiss witnesses simply because we don't like what they're going to say. The shoe is on both feet, folks. It's not just one party. It's both of them that are acting a fool. Monday evening, the House voted against a resolution offered by the GOP leader to force his chosen members onto the panel. McCarthy has stayed close to Trump since the insurrection and has threatened to poll committee assignments from any Republicans who participate on the January 6th panel. He has called Cheney and Kinzinger Pelosi Republicans, which Cheney has dismissed as childish. Ahead of the hearing on Tuesday, McCarthy again called a process a sham and said Pelosi only wanted the questions asked that she wants asked and answered. McCarthy told reporters that Pelosi should be investigated for her role in the security failures of the day, but ignored questions about Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell, who had identical authority over the Capitol Police and Capitol security officials. Chairman Benny Thomas from Mississippi said the hearing would, quote, set the tone of the probe, which will examine not only Trump's role in the insurrection, but the groups involved in coordinating it, white supremacists among them. It will also look at security failures that allowed hundreds of people to breach the Capitol and send lawmakers running for their lives. Some of those who who broke in were calling for the deaths of Pelosi and Vice President Mike Pence, who was hiding just a few feet away from the mob. Outside of a committee preparation session for the hearing on Monday, Kinzinger told reporters that for too long, we've been pretending that January 6th didn't happen and that when you have lies and misinformation that continue to thrive, it's essential for us as members of Congress to get those answers. Shortly after the insurrection, almost every Republican denounced the violent mob, and some criticized Trump himself, who told his supporters to fight like hell to overturn his defeat. Once again, he didn't tell them to raise up arms and go in and kidnap people. We've used euphemisms all the time. Joe Biden earlier in that week also told his team to get up and fight and stand up against Trump and go out and vote. Not quite the same thing, is it? But when you have an angry mob in front of the White House steps, probably a good idea to de-escalate, and President Trump didn't do that. Whether you're for him or against him, it doesn't make you a traitor by admitting that. But many have softened their tone in the recent months and weeks, and some have gone further, with Georgia Representative Andrew Clyde saying a video of the rioters looked like a normal tourist visit. And Arizona Representative Paul Gosser repeatedly saying that a woman who was shot and killed by police as she was trying to break into the House chamber was executed. 
Others have falsely claimed that the Democrats or liberal groups were responsible for the attack. The officers testifying have become increasingly politically active in recent months and went from office to office in May to lobby Senate Republicans to support an outside commission to investigate the insurrection. The Senate GOP ultimately rejected that effort. Through that panel, would have been evenly split between the parties. Black Lives Matter stormed our cities and pillaged small businesses in summation for over four years. When we watched, we said and heard things one would expect. Some of the questions we asked. Why are they destroying their own communities? How can they get away with that? Why don't they respect the law? Things aren't that bad. Couldn't you imagine if a bunch of white people did that? They aren't all bad. Some are peacefully protesting. They have a right to protest. Respect the police. It's a riot, not a protest. Every one of us heard that or said that ourselves. And if you're not going to admit it now, you're lying. Everyone has heard this on the news or within their own internal dialogue. We castigate and opine over how we can't comprehend how a group can be so disloyal to America. How can anyone care about this great land and do these types of nefarious and downright treacherous acts upon our nation? People were saying that BLM was treasonous, most assuredly that Antifa was. Now I want you to take a deep breath and get ready to suck it up and get a dose of reality. When it comes to January 6th and the insurrection, we are now saying and hearing this opposite from the other side of the aisle, and our internal dialogue is matching their outward dialogue during Black Lives Matter. Here are some of the things that are being projected onto us. Why were they destroying our capital? How can they get away with that? Why don't they respect the law? Things aren't that bad. Could you imagine if a bunch of black people did that? They aren't all bad. Some are respectfully protesting and peacefully. They have a right to protest. Why don't they respect the police? It's insurrection, not a protest. Sound familiar? I understand that this opinion may not be popular with some of my viewers. I know personally people who were down there that day. And I was across the Potomac that day myself. It was a tense situation. And yes, there were people there who took no part in that debacle. But that doesn't negate the fact that we made no such distinctions for Black Lives Matter. We made no such distinctions for Antifa with their bottled tear gas, rocks, and blatant beating of opposition. And fuck them. I don't give a shit about Antifa. But I also don't give a shit about Proud Boys either. We made no separation between black outrage and white outrage, not for blacks, but their own brand of paid opposition to the American machine. We made no such distinction for President Obama or any of the politicians who wouldn't publicly denounce the supporters of Black Lives Matter and Antifa within the mob. We made no such distinctions between thugs and citizens. If we are honest with ourselves, truly honest, and look inward, we are simply changing the color of the pieces on this chessboard. But the game remains the same. We are all pawns, and the person controlling the pieces will sacrifice all of us to gain advantage over the other player, no matter the cost, no matter the time, and no matter the sacrifice, because we are in fact fulfilling our role in the great chess game of life as pawns, and that's what pawns do. Let the record show that the record is full of shit. PolitiFact appears to be shielding President Biden and Vice President Harris from criticisms over their past rhetoric expressing distrust in the coronavirus vaccine during the Trump administration. 
Amid the Biden administration's struggle to vaccinate Americans, a video surfaced comments made during the 2020 election cycle by then-Democratic ticket that cast doubt in the vaccines developed under President Trump. Biden suggested back in August that any vaccine that comes along is not likely to go through all the tests that need to be done and the trials that are needed to be done. Quote, who's going to take the shot? Who's going to take the shot? You're going to be the first one to say, put me, sign me up. They now say it's okay, Biden said in September interview, barely understanding whatever the hell he said. Biden repeatedly indicated only if there was enough transparency would he take the vaccine and that the American people should not have confidence in the vaccine developed by the Trump administration if his concerns weren't addressed. Harris was heard during a CNN interview that getting a vaccine that's approved by the Trump administration would be an issue for all of us. And, quote, if Donald Trump tells us that we should take it, I'm not taking it during the vice presidential debate. And for the people who like to pick my show apart and say, oh, that's not true. Well, here's a fucking video. So let's just say there is a vaccine that is approved and even distributed before the election. Would you get it? Well, I think that's going to be an issue for all of us. If and when the vaccine comes, and it's not likely to go through all the tests that needs to be and the trials that are needed to be done. When we finally do, God willing, get a vaccine, who's going to take the shot? Who's going to take the shot? You can be the first one to say, put me, sign me up. They now say it's OK. And the question of whether it's real. Are these guys Trump supporters? What's going on here? When it's there, that requires enormous transparency. You've got to make all of it available to other experts across the nation. So they can look and see. So there's consensus. This is a safe vaccine. If the president announced tomorrow we have a vaccine, would you take it? Only if it was completely transparent that other experts in the country. Luckily, the vaccine's completely transparent. You can see right through it. It's crystal clear, Joe. What's your problem? It's better than crystal light. Oh, that type of transparency. Sorry. Look at it. Only if we knew all of what went into it. If Donald Trump can't give answers and his administration can't give answers to these three questions, the American people should not have confidence. But if Donald Trump tells us I should ta- that we should take it, I'm not taking it. <gasps> Liar! I'm not a witch, I'm your wife. But after you said that, I don't want to be that anymore. Shut up, witch. Okay, listen. PolitiFact issued a so-called fact check with the headline, Biden-Harris distrusted Trump with COVID-19 vaccines, not the vaccines themselves. That's not what they just said. You just heard it. PolitiFact contributing writer Tom Kirster insisted the clips used in the video were selectively edited to take the statements out of context. You're selectively editing and taking the statements out of context, you dick. Quote, the parts that are left out make clear that Biden and Harris were raising questions not about the vaccines themselves, but about then-President Donald Trump's rollout of the vaccines and the risk the effort would have become rushed or politicized, Kershaw wrote on Friday. I watched every debate. I covered those debates. I broadcasted those debates. I picked them apart. I disseminated, and you were full of shit. They did not go ahead and make preface those statements. Quote, Trump was publicly touting the promise of a rapidly developed COVID vaccine as early as March 2020 when fears of a global pandemic were just beginning to flare and said he was urging researchers working on the vaccine to speed it up. Yeah, and he did. And he has saved countless lives because of it. Scientists and drug makers, meanwhile, were urging more caution on the timeline and said they were emphasizing emphasizing safety and effectiveness over speed, he later explained. Kirscher then listed all of the quotes featured in the video, including additional context regarding each of the individual comments from PolitiFact's ruling. 
Kersher concluded the video was selectively edited to leave out the context of their statements. Right, but the freaking Charlotte video wasn't, where supposedly he said there were good people on both sides. PolitiFact also said that Donald Trump lied about that. You guys are so full of shit. I'm about to just blast you off this freaking planet in about 45 seconds. Finishing, and that Biden-Harris simply raised doubts about Trump's trustworthiness, his ability to roll out the vaccine's safety, and the risk of political influence over vaccine development. We rate the video false. Not mostly false, just fucking false. Wouldn't it have been nice if this asshole was there during the bait so he could have explained it to all the Americans watching, 91 million of us. Today, if you make a big statement, people will come after you in summation. Yes, some, most, will be hacks and fools, but some will be smart and they will demolish you. They'll demolish your high school debate degree. They will go ahead and destroy your Pulitzer Prize. It won't protect you. So you should be prepared to defend yourself and your statements. That means wading into the public square, not only with facts, but with arguments and a grasp of the subtleties of the issue at hand. This is why I do this show. This is on the whole a good thing. Readers, listeners, watchers can affirm or object. Commentators can comment and fact checkers can defend and elaborate on their decisions. But the real issue is that we assume because fact is in the title And we telegraph some sort of authority and deference to this establishment that is supposed to be the end-all be-all, that the proverbial buck stops here with the truth. The real truth to all of this is that these fact-checkers have an axe to grind and use language like mostly true or mostly false to justify or disprove a person's thinking, especially when it's on the opposite side. But unequivocal statements of false and true when it's about their side. There is no fucking thing is mostly true or false to anything in any situation. It's black and white as piano keys. Law and truth are intimately connected concepts since the application of legal rules always rely on facts. And supposition or speculation never disproves more speculation and supposition. Only facts do that. And herein lies the problem that PolitiFact is apparently unable to understand the necessity of this and may not even possess the vocabulary or self-awareness needed to do it, suggests it has big problems ahead and more importantly, credibility issues yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Because they slap a label on it doesn't mean that these people are the end-all be-all. They're human beings. Their shit smells exactly the same as us. A particular shade of rank. You have to do the reading yourself. You have to look it up yourself. But when we nod and ba like sheep simply because it says, oh, Snopes says it's, it's wrong. Do you know how many times I see something that Snopes fact checks and it's absolutely inaccurate, but then people accept it because it says so? Folks, do you understand that these companies are worth millions and millions of dollars, that they have a payroll, they have marketing dollars, they have a budget to hit, and they honestly have incentives to stick to one side or the other to maintain their viewership? This is the problem. This is why mass media is so corrupt, because it was all about selling newspapers. Then it was about selling media airtime and commercials. And now it's about selling broadband and bandwidth to assure that they capture as much of the market share as possible. And the best way to do that is to agree with the people who listen to you. There are no balanced fact checkers. There's one site that I absolutely love. It's All Sides Balanced. It is one of the best sites, and it doesn't write anything. 
It simply shows you what the left says, the center says, and the right says, and shows you all the articles. If you want a very factual, as far as the parody that's inside the story, this is the where to go, all sides balanced. It's one of the best sites I go to because it allows me to see the bullshit on all three accounts and just pick the one that smells the least. Folks, that's it for my show tonight. Thank you so much for stopping by. That's it for 196. Tomorrow, you guessed it, 197. Before we do that, please do me a favor. Stop by 1-800-273-8255-PRESS-1, Veteran Crisis Hotline. If you are experiencing traumatic brain injury, if you are experiencing PTS, anxiety, depression, Veteran Crisis Hotline is here for you. Even if you just need to talk to somebody, this is the place to go to. This is the place to visit. 22 veterans commit suicide a day. It is way too much. They need to tell their story. Please encourage them to do so. If you cannot do that, come to me. I will help. I have made phone calls. The one thing about this site that has done wonders is the amount of help that I get asked to to participate in. People will say, Matt, I have my son or my daughter or my uncle or my dad. Would you mind reaching out? And sometimes it goes well and they want to talk to me and other times they just hang up. But it doesn't matter. The point is, is we can't stop trying. Our veterans are that important. Please reach out to a vet. If it doesn't work, you can also have them visit don'tunfriendme.com. Click on the VCL link. You'll be connected to a Skype operator immediately or dialed right through your phone to get the help you need. And lastly, if you are not a veteran and you are a citizen, a civilian, it doesn't matter. Veterans Crisis Hotline will not turn you away. Folks, thanks for stopping by. Here is my site right here. You can click on YouTube and hit the little red envelope and subscribe. You can also like, follow, and share on Facebook. That means a great deal to me. Thank you for doing all you do, dummies. Thank you for being here, and I will see you tomorrow. Have a good night. Avalanche sign Grubauer and Landeskog, and let's go get Scherzer or, or Kimball, whatever.